Hello, welcome to another Use of Force. For this week, where we visit the high schools of famous female musicians in Brooklyn, we have a Use of Force instance that took place in the Prospect Lefferts Gardens area. I'm going to read the corresponding Use of Force report now. At approximately 2048 hours on Sunday, May 18th, 2014, Inside an apartment within the confines of the 70th precinct, a female victim sustained a violent, unprovoked attack at the hands of her husband, during which she was stabbed in the chest with a cutting instrument. The victim then fled with her children while the perpetrator returned to his apartment. In response, seven officers arrived on the scene and discovered the injured victim between two parked cars. Six of these officers then proceeded to the perpetrator's apartment where they found smoke emanating from under the door. With the safety of neighbors and the suspect of paramount concern, and with the arrival time of ESU uncertain, the officers began to force entry into the apartment while simultaneously beginning the evacuation of surrounding neighbors. The officers then entered the apartment where, on opening the door of the back bedroom, observed the suspect beginning to advance on them armed with scissors. The suspect was ordered to drop his weapon, but refused and continued to advance. As a result, a single officer discharged his firearm, causing the subject to drop to one knee. In spite of further warnings, the subject returned to his feet and continued to advance, forcing a second officer to discharge his weapon. The perpetrator was subsequently disarmed and pronounced dead by paramedics. Subject toxicology revealed the presence of alcohol. So... There actually isn't that much reporting that was done on this incident. There, but we will talk about what there is. And within the reporting that is available, there is a little bit of a discrepancy just within the details between the NYPD use of force report and the general reporting. So one thing is that the NYPD use of force doesn't, it, it shows that it talks about the woman that was stabbed by Osborne Brody prior to the police being on the scene. And they say that she was his wife and that she was found between two parked cars outside of the building and they mentioned children. None of the reporting mentions children that I found. Most of the reporting says that the woman was in the lobby of the building and most of the reporting says that the woman that was stabbed was his long-term girlfriend that lived with him as opposed to his wife. Hmm. So I don't think that any of those are major details um, as far as you know whether or not the police acted appropriately I don't think that it really affects too much um, that part it is interesting that none of the reporting seems to mention that there were children and the other thing that none that the reporting doesn't seem to mention is the smoke that mm. was mentioned in the police report yeah none of the 
articles mention that there was smoke or fire or have any quotes from neighbors that were apparently evacuated. There's one in the New York Post. They mentioned that neighbors in the building said the couple was heard arguing frequently during the, le- the weeks leading up to it, but there's no sort of specific quotes like we'll normally see. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what about this didn't get uh, so much research done. Mm-hmm. It was fairly early in the evening, around 20, 48 hours would be... 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8.48, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like it was the middle of the night. It seems like there would be probably plenty of people to interview and that this would catch people's eye, but yeah, it's unclear to me why there isn't much more information revolving around this incident. One thing that stood out to me right away is that there's a picture of the scissors in a Daily News article. It's an extremely blurry picture, but it looks like the type of scissors that are used to cut hair. Mm. So they're, in my experience with those types of scissors, they are pretty sharp, and but they're also really small, sort of like four inches for the blade or so. Mm-hmm. So I noticed that, and then I also noticed that most of the reporting focuses on Osborne Brody's record of arrest. So he was arrested four times in Houston, one time in South Carolina, eight times in New York, mostly in the Bronx or uptown. And most of these arrests happened over 10 years prior, but Mm -hmm. they were still being used as the description of who this man was right by the media and yeah obviously we've seen this before but i think it particularly stood out to me this time just seeing that it was just a pair of scissors and like this small pair of scissors with that even though they are usually pretty sharp it seems like the you know the the reach wouldn't be very far and i'm not I have a question about how well, you know, you could utilize those against police officers, but Mm -hmm. it almost just felt to me like very quickly explaining why this would happen without really going into any more details of like what was going on before this or, you know, interviewing the, the girlfriend and none of the cops are named. Right. Yeah, it's a reporting of reassurance and rationalization, which is something, again, we've brought up at least on one other occasion, probably multiple. But the idea that the press is has a function of uh, putting into a context that's understandable 
and digestible for people so that they can, I guess, feel reassured or in, in some way comforted to make, to make sense of something that in other respects feels overwhelming a process. And I don't think that that's appropriate, but I, I think that it is custom. And yeah, I don't. I it would take some higher level of of thought and and criticism of the media to get them to stop doing that sort of thing. Right. Right, and I, yeah, there there was one one article that said that Osborne Brody had had four forty ounce. Uh, bottles of malt liquor before this, which, you know, that kind of detail is, it makes me think, like, how did they get that information, but then not talk about really anything else? In that article, they say that, and then they say that he lunged at cops with a pair of scissors after they had responded to a 911 call from his girlfriend. And they talk about how his girlfriend, and actually they do name her, Tamika Washington, in this article, how she was in stable condition and that the neighbors had heard them arguing over the past couple of weeks. So it sounds like that article actually went into it more. And you know what? I stand corrected. In this one article from the Post, they do mention that there was a small fire because of not turning off the stove. So they did actually mm -hmm. seem to get more information and do some research, but then, yeah, I just wonder how do you get that particular amount of research done and then only have this really short article that barely tells you anything, but peppers in these like right, details drink. that you must, like how did you find that out, but then didn't find out more or tell a more complete story right yeah drinking 40s and stabbing people yeah paint, paints one very particular stereotype picture right right and hearing oh that they were arguing earlier it's like okay it, you know you, it gives you some kind of an idea but yeah it doesn't really tell you much mm -hmm. one thing that i did find while researching this incident that I hadn't come across before and I was surprised not to um, have seen it until now, but it's gunmemorial.org and it seems to be a website that, a pretty basic website that just lists people that have been killed by gun violence. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how far back it goes um, because I'm just I've just gone to the page that is for Osborne Brody I plan to look through it more later and you know anyone listening you can go to gunmemorial.org and check it out yourself but it says at the bottom here 80,621 gun violence victims and counting so you can click on that to a link to see all the listed victims and then right above that at the bottom it lists other nearby fatal shootings and there's five that are all from Brooklyn between April 25th and May 10th of 2021. 
So I haven't actually clicked through into those either, but it it seems as though these are all, you know, just anyone that's died from gun violence. And what I find interesting is that it it has in the it has a couple news sources listed just as links. And so in one of the headlines, it mentions it just has the actual headline that says New York Daily News, scissor wielding man shot and killed by cops in Brooklyn identified had a long rap sheet. But the rest of the page here doesn't mention that he was killed by the police. It just says lost to gun violence on May 18th, 2014 in Brooklyn, New York. And then it has a profile that it seems is um, can be added to by anyone. Mm -hmm. And it says that his nickname was Junior. He had three children. Under personality, someone has written, my uncle had a personality like no other. Baby boy, you're missed deeply. It says he went to Greenwood High School. And then there's two comments. One says he was a nice guy. And one says great friend to have, RIP Junior. Yeah. And then you can also light a virtual candle for Osborne. Hmm. So when I came to this page, 18 candles were lit. And then I just clicked light a candle and that number switched to 19 and now I'm not able to light another candle. So it's an interesting website and it's particularly interesting that it's not separated by, you know, people that they're, I think the concept of gun violence is really interesting to me in this context hmm. that often when we talk about gun violence, it's thought of as something that is a criminal activity you know the person with the gun is the criminal and yeah. in this case the person with the gun that killed someone is not what society considers a criminal it was the police who was there to you know protect and serve is what their role is and there's no separation on this website between gun violence that's done in a manner that everyone can agree is a criminal manner and gun violence that's done in a manner that is uh, not quite as widely understood as violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it it is good to see that there are places where there's looking to be a space to humanize victims and you know people people like this uh in in the face of what we're saying about media having uh specific narratives that they are playing out different different avenues of reporting and it's almost like like the Price is Right game, the, the Plinko, where it like goes down and you don't know what are you going to get like reporting that's digging deeper based on, you know, some particular lead that seems particularly meaty or because the local community is particularly incensed about it for some reason or are you just going to land in the here's the basic story, we're going to put this one to bed really quickly and we're going to rely on a lot of different uh, tropes that you already know so we can put your mind at ease that this was you know 
it, it fits within your understanding of what is happening. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's good that there's a space for people to honor those that have been lost, even under circumstances that are, I mean, un unclear, unfortunate. Yeah. It, it, you know, this is, it's not, it's not a robbery situation. It's a right. domestic dispute. I mean, obviously, it, you, you don't want somebody stabbing someone. No. That's, you know, that's not what, you know, it's not what we want happening, but it also, why was this not treated more like a mental health issue where there's like a zone of safety? Right. And I think in the, I think in the use of force report, it actually addresses that, that they didn't want to wait until the ESU, which is, yeah. um, the department that would deal with a mental health issue right. because they weren't sure when they'd arrive and they saw the smoke. Yeah. Which in some ways makes sense, but also, yeah, the, you know, the training that the, the person in that department knows. And I think the regular police officers know this as well, the zone of safety and sort of calm behavior and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, it's a question of why that wasn't wasn't used, and also, also just yeah, other whenever there's the sharp object against a gun, it really is hard for me to understand why there isn't more more options for disarming someone that has a knife or a scissor or, you know, whatever other small weapon. I think for me personally, when, when the person that gets killed also has a gun, I can maybe understand it a bit more because there's a, feels like a, a level playing field, if you will. I, um, but when it's this sort of, especially like a small knife, I just, you know, again, I come from no background in physical restraint. I have no idea how to do any of that, so I could just be making this up, but I, it just feels like there should be a way to deal with those sorts of situations without killing someone. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, my guess would be that police officers are primarily, primarily trained in how to use a ranged weapon to subdue people. Yeah. And it is dangerous to try and control somebody that has a, a, a weapon in their hand that's not a ranged weapon. I, I mean, a, a knife is different than a pair of scissors. A knife is slashing. This is something that would be thrusting. So right. that I would consider that to be easier to disarm. And it's, yes, it is an inherently dangerous situation to subdue somebody like that yeah it is also a dangerous job you know and yeah. i think that if if police were to take 
to treat the job as one of subduing rather than one of you know, eliminating a threat, then I think it, that would, those are the types of steps that get people to have more sympathy for a job that is truly one of the most, if not the most difficult job that we have in our society. Right. And I want to be in a world where I can feel that type of sympathy and be on the side of the police. But it's really uh, a fraught time to, to feel that way mm. right now. You know, because yeah. it, it is, let's, we'll just say for the purposes of this, it is the hardest job in society, but they are dealing with the people who have the hardest lives in society. Right. And it's like an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. Mm -hmm. So if they can have the empathy to recognize that the people that they're dealing with have gotten the short end of their stick in every situation yeah. and behave in that way, then instances where an officer is stabbed once with a scissor yeah. and then their partners come and help restrain, that that to me is somebody that's doing something that's truly heroic. Right. And I want to be able to celebrate that. Right. Yeah, as much as I don't want anyone to get injured or killed themselves. I, yeah, I completely agree with you. Especially if it's something, you know, if, if it ends up being a small cut. With body armor. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It, no, I mean, nobody, most, most people in, it, don't want to see police get hurt no matter what. And I, it's not like I'm saying I want to see police get hurt. Right. But I also just don't know what precipitated this. Yeah. What, um, what clearly emotionally motivated circumstances brought this on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything, I mean, without... Without more reporting or more people to talk to or this incident not having happened the way it did, I don't think there's any way, unfortunately, to know what exactly happened in this one. Um, and so with that, I think we'll close out this episode. As always, if anyone listening has anything to add about this incident or any of the others that we've been talking about, uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. And thanks for listening. Bye.